Good morning. It's good to be back. I missed you. Please turn in your Bibles. We're going to take a break from Acts. I usually don't do this on whatever holiday it is. I just plow through wherever we've been, but I wanted to go over this again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we can talk about this later in the sermon as well, God willing. But listen, that study that we just had this morning about the history of celebrating Easter, Pascha, throughout the world. I mean, we can talk about the name and which is the right one, but don't, don't miss it. People have believed that He rose from the dead for over 1,900 years historically writing about celebrating his resurrection from the dead. Not, not within the scriptures. I mean, human writers after that we have their writings. They're debating what's the right day to celebrate it on. The debate is not whether he rose. He rose. Well, 1 Corinthians 15 is very familiar to us. I hope, and I believe that it is in our church because we emphasize the scriptures and we major on the majors. And what can be more foundational and major to Christianity in the belief of the resurrection of the dead? Listen, if, you're, if in your mind you're floating in heaven like the image of a Cupid floating around from place to place, listen, that image needs to be changed and you need to be in your glorified body. But let, we'll get to there. Let's, let's read. We'll read 15 verse 1 through 11. Paul has just finished a discussion about spiritual gifts and church order. If you remember, 1 Corinthians, the Corinthians had some issues. And Paul was helping them out and straightening it out. And he just finished the discussion of spiritual gifts, church order. And people who are listening to this online, listen, go back and read chapter 14 and 13 and 12. And I hope it will inform your worship. But here he's summarizing the gospel and the historical reliability of the resurrection. Verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Amen. Verse 1, I would remind you of the gospel I preached to you in which you received it. I preached it to you, you received it. And that's the only way you'll be able to remain in the faith, is to cling to those things that you received. What were those things? What did they hear and believe? What did they hear? Because listen, only the true gospel saves... A false gospel doesn't save, even if you heard it and received it. There are many false gospels throughout the world. And believing that will not save you. And there's some that come to mind quickly. Mormonism. Jehovah's so-called Jehovah's Witnesses. That's a different gospel. That's not the true gospel. Verse 3, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. What do you mean in accordance with the Scriptures? What Scriptures? You know, Baptists? I like that people are annoyed by Baptists' insistence on, show me where it teaches that in the Bible. I like it. We're Baptists. Why do we believe it? it? Hopefully because the Bible teaches it. In accordance with the scriptures, Isaiah chapter 53, he was despised and rejected. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Isaiah talked about it too. Jonah 1.17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Sound familiar? Three days and three nights? Well, listen, it's not just a passing familiarity. Matthew uses this directly. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew twelve forty. Jesus died in accordance with the Scriptures. Luke 24, and He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. What scriptures? The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Listen, you are witnesses of these things too. As far as I know, not a one of us are born in Jerusalem. Right? Anybody born in Jerusalem? Repentance and forgiveness of sins proclaimed in Jesus' name to all nations. Our nation that would know nothing of Jesus except that it has been moved throughout the world. For decades and decades and centuries, one little old weak Christian telling another poor, wretched sinner about the grace of God and they believing and stumbling their way to the finish line and telling others about Jesus again and again and again. We hear the gospel in our day, in our country. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Old Testament foresaw. New Testament apostles confirm. Mark verse 14. Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? The high priest asked Jesus. He said, by the way, some people try to claim that Jesus never claimed to be the Christ. That is wrong. Are you this Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus answered, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus died. Jesus is Christ. Therefore, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Luke chapter 2, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He is the Christ, and He really died. He did. Luke chapter 23, we are told that Jesus breathed His last. And the crowds, when they saw it, you remember what happened when the crowds, when Jesus died on the cross? They did something. The Bible says they beat their breasts. Symbolic of grief, repentance, seeing Jesus' death touch them, shook them up. They realized a terrible thing just happened. An innocent man has been crucified. Why did Jesus die? Not for his sins, friend. He died for our sins. 
That's the testimony of the Scriptures. Matthew 26, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Romans chapter 4, The Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Many more places which testify to the same truth. Jesus died for our sins, for our transgressions. First importance, He died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And He was buried Listen, you want to know the proof that he actually died and and wasn't just severely injured? They buried him. You don't bury people who are alive. You don't put people who are alive in a tomb. You don't prepare spices for their flesh. Joseph, we read this morning, Joseph of Arimathea. He asked Pilate for the body. Why? Because he's dead. You have to do something with the body. We read also this morning that he was laid in a tomb cut in stone. So he died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. It's the apologetic that he actually died. They buried him. I'm not saying that Paul is proving that they buried him. What I'm saying is, this is logical. When someone dies, then you bury them. That's what you do. And it's of primary importance that we believe that. If he didn't actually die, then nothing miraculous happened. Right? And then... Another thing of first importance is that he was raised on the third day. Remember, Paul is reminding the Corinthians who have a lot of issues in their faith, they need to grow up. And he's telling them, listen, these are the things of primary importance that you must cling to. He died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. I mean, Jesus said He would rise again. They didn't understand it at the time. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way He said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, 
And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Listen, Jesus' prophecy here was exactly correct on all accounts. He was delivered over by the chief priests. He was condemned to death and mocked by the Roman Gentiles. Flogged, crucified, and he rose on the third day. The scriptures testify he did, in fact, come back from the dead. We can multiply texts. But listen, he must rise. He must rise. If he didn't rise after prophesying, I will rise on the third day, then he's a false prophet. Do you understand how important this is? Not just for your faith saying, can he help me right now? Because how could he help me if he was dead? Yes, that is of primary importance also. But listen, if he prophesied that he would rise in accordance with the scriptures and other scriptures prophesied that he would rise and he did not in fact rise, what's going on here? This is false prophecy. We are told in Deuteronomy... I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. And whoever will not listen to my words, this is Deuteronomy 18, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Verse 20, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet, that same prophet shall die. The penalty for this, you're saying that you're a mouthpiece for God, but you're lying. And the penalty is death. Elijah delivered out that penalty to some false prophets, didn't he? Verse 22, And if you say in your heart, How may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? Right? It's kind of hard. How do I know the word that you didn't speak? And it's very simple. It's a very simple formula. If somebody claims to speak for God, they have to be right 100% of the time. Perfection. God is not guessing about what he's going to put in his prophet's mouths. If they speak a word and it doesn't come to pass, you know immediately he's not God's man. Right? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, verse 22... If the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Jehovah has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So listen to me, Christian. If Jesus is not risen, you need not be afraid of him. You hear me? If he's not risen, he's a false, he was a false prophet, and he is currently dead. Like many, many other people. If he prophesied something like his own resurrection, 
Right? Which is a very... Is there any prophecy greater? They'll kill me and I'm going to come back to life. If if that didn't come to pass, no need to fear him. But if it did come to pass, if he is risen indeed, as we've testified this morning, he is risen indeed. then you know that the Lord has sent him. And you need to listen to him and you need to obey him. Because by his resurrection, he's declared to be the son of God in power. Romans chapter 1, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. If you remember in Acts chapter 17, when Paul is preaching, something he says, he he tells them a lot of things about God, and then he says, How do you know all the stuff I'm saying is true? God furnished the proof that it's true by raising Jesus from the dead. It validates Jesus' ministry. It validates His commandments are not His mere human opinion. They are divine commandments. And then if we look back to Acts 15, verse 5, and that He appeared. So we have Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And the proof. He did die. They buried him. And it wasn't in accordance with the scriptures. We can read them and see. Yeah, it was in accordance with the scriptures. And we read some of those. And he was raised on the third day. We've read some of those already. And that he appeared. Listen, how do we know he rose? Because he appeared to many people. This is the defense How do you know he rose? Eyewitness accounts, testimonies. He appeared to Peter. Remember when Peter had run along with John to the tomb to see if Jesus had really risen? He appeared to the twelve, we are told. More than 500 brothers at one time. Were there only men at that meeting? Doubtful. Right? is often the men who are counted and not the women or children. That number could have easily been 1,500 people, 2,000 people at one time. He appeared to James, the apostles, and to Paul. And in Acts chapter 1, at the very beginning, you remember we read this recently, he presented himself alive to them we are told, after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. You remember Jesus said, I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking I'm a ghost, but I'm not. Touch me. Your eyes are not deceiving you. I am here. We read this morning, he was able to enter two rooms on two or 
a room on two separate occasions that was locked. And some of us had speculated that he was able to just walk through the wall. Maybe. I don't think that has to be the only explanation. Can't he pick a lock with his brain? Right? I want to go through that door. It's locked. Not anymore. I'm going in. But either way, he was there with them. We are told that they cooked fish on the beach and ate it together. He rose. How do we know? He appeared to many people. Thousands, likely, during his 40 days. It's the gospel. It's the gospel message. And listen, we're, we're studying it for our whole lives. It's very deep. But the basics of it are not very complex. He died in place of other people that would have died in order to save them because he loved them. And he was really dead. They buried him. And he rose from the dead on the third day, something that no one before or since has ever done. He really did come back to life. He appeared to many people after his resurrection. So listen to me. I I believe we believe this. I believe you believe it. But do you realize that that is not possible without faith? You believe somebody who was dead came back to life? If you really think about it, it's... It's not intellectually satisfying. If you try to go by normal standards, things that die don't come back. They don't come back. Except when they do. Jesus came back. And if you really believe it, isn't that what we are told? Confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Do you really believe that in your heart? Do you believe that Jesus is in his body right now at the right hand of God? You believe that? Because Christians believe that. But if you really believe that, let me encourage you as strongly as I can. Take his commands very seriously. This is not a normal teacher who dies and then is gone. He upholds the whole universe with the word of his power. He's alive. He's God's son. We know it because he was resurrected. He's the lamb of God in accordance with the Scriptures, and was slain and His blood sprinkled on the mercy seat, not for His own sins like all the other priests were required and needed to do. He didn't sin. It was our sins. Our iniquities were put on Him. We are told that He came to save sinners and reconcile them to God. And let me ask you, 
Are you sick? Are you a sinner? Or are you well? Because Jesus came not to heal the well. It's not the well. It's not the healthy that need help. It's the sick. And we are told Jesus came to save the sick and the sinner. The door is wide open. Believe the good news. Be not disbelieving, but believing. Repent. We are told, whosoever will can go to the one who is dead, but who is now alive, and ask for mercy. Jesus is on the ready at all times. Hebrews chapter 7, concerning Jesus' priesthood, we are told, His priesthood, He holds it permanently because He continues forever. Consequently, because He continues forever, because He's always there, right? The contrast was the old priestly line, they keep dying, even good ones. They keep dying and have to be replaced. It's not permanent for them. Jesus holds His priesthood permanently because He continues forever. Hebrews chapter 7. Consequently, because He continues forever, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to Him, or near to God through Him. Quote, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Sinners redeemed by the Lamb He's on the ready. He's waiting to hear your cry. He's waiting to hear your request. He always lives to make intercession. Would you go to him? You can't run away. You can't get away. That's not going to be the path of peace either. Run to Him. Do you believe that Jesus is risen? Go to Him. By the grace of God, go to Him. That times, quote, times of refreshing may come to you. If He's risen, and He is, God help us that we would take His commandments to heart. God help us. Trust Him. You'll be saved. He receives all who come to Him. Whosoever will. Whoever believes. They do not perish. They have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of the resurrection. Our desire is that you'd help us 
Help us to believe it more. Help us to think about it more. Help us to obey our Lord more. Help us to love His people more. Help us to care about the lost more. Cause us, Father, that we would understand suffering and sorrow, but also joy. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Be with us today and be with other Christians around the world. Give us a bigger picture. Give us a, a, a more refined idea. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.